This is the Employee Experience in Education podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Eric McKelkey, secondary principal in Wyoming and guest host of the Transformative Principal podcast. Today, Eric will share his reflections on how being a people leader affects his impact as an instructional leader at his school. Eric also discusses the district's role in providing a positive employee experience, what he struggled with most his first year as a new administrator, and the foundation of all good things in leadership. Hey, good morning, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation today and hearing about your approach to the employee experience at your school. But before we get to that, do you mind talking about yourself a little bit and why you decided to become an educator? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Eric. I'm excited to talk to you this morning about the employee experience. Um, I, you know, thinking about my own personal experience and background, I I grew up the son of an educator, which I'm a little bit biased, but I think people that get into education after seeing the realities of what that looks like, you know, for a family have, have pretty realistic expectations. So I, I grew up the son of a teacher in Montana and was raised by social studies textbooks and, you know, hanging out in the classroom was kind of your, your babysitter growing up, but always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I have an, actually an identical twin who also is a social studies teacher and coach and um, have, have spent my entire career in Wyoming. I've taught, taught English, social studies, and build a, been a building administrator. And I know, so you're currently hosting the Transformative Principal Podcast, right? And then so hosting a podcast, being on podcasts like this, being an, an administrator. And I know on the podcast, there's a wide range of topics that you cover and recently, it's been pedagogy to curriculum to family well-being nights and everything in between. So really covering this idea of, you know, how do we support educators? How do we support principals? I also know, Eric, that you're a reflective practitioner. And on the podcast, you're actually coached by Jethro Jones, who was the, the originator of the podcast. But not just are you coached, you're, you're allowing those recordings to be part of the podcast. So a question I have for you is what's been kind of your biggest takeaway when instead of just being an administrator, you're now talking to school leaders, what's been your biggest takeaway so far? Some of your biggest takeaways from hosting the podcast and being coached? You know, (laughs) I, I think the biggest takeaway, Eric, is there is no reason not to learn something. There are so many people out there with any, any topics. Um, an example, I've always been fascinated for, for some reason with in-school suspension and it's like whoa if you just get on amazon there there's a guy who wrote a book called the art of iss (laughs) and so i i think a lot of it is the technology and just that you know the earth is flat and and there's no resource out there that's not within your fingertips and free and and there's always people that are so willing willing to help that, that that's kind of neat it's like wow what a cool time to be alive i couldn't imagine trying to learn things from you know an encyclopedia or a telegram compared to the access that we have yeah 
I would describe myself as a grasshopper at times. I can jump from thing to thing. And I try to not get caught up by what's shiny and what's glittery and really focus on the priorities. And I can imagine, and I'm not sure what kind of a, an animal or insect you would describe yourself. Um, but knowing that there is so much information that you talk to so many different people, I could imagine it'd be easier for you to just jump from one thing to the other. How are you able to really focus in on what your staff needs while also learning about all these different things? Yeah, this this year, um, that's really tempting because I'm in a new district in a new school. And so I I think a lot and, and really a, a lot of what I do as an administrator comes from um, how I viewed administrators as a teacher. I just try not to be... Um, you know, the the cliche, uh-oh, principal's at a conference when he's back on Monday, we're going to have this big rah-rah new thing. Um, don't don't be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. So it, it's, it's kind of a balance of, you know, there's things that need to change and need to be a focus. And there's things that you just need to take your time and really make sure you understand, um, you know, the people that you work with and you're still building relationships with being your first year. Yeah. And, and how do you do that? So I know it's one thing to say, you know, so my goal as a principal is to make sure I understand my people know what their needs are. How, what's been your process so far being a new administrator to really getting to know your staff, understanding what their needs are, and then being reflective to whatever those needs are. To me, it's, it's the first thing when it comes to building relationships is just one-on-one -on -one conversations, which is difficult you know, no teacher wants to give up their planning time to just sit down and have a conversation with an administrator, um, even a well, even a well-intentioned one. It's like everybody's busy, everybody's got things to do, but um, that to me is kind kind of the key. And um, if you can find those times to just get to know the staff one-on-one, -on -one, um, then good things happen and people feel like, okay, you know, the the administrator's more approachable, or he'll he'll always hear me out, you know, whether someone agrees with me or they like my idea or they said yes or no, they, they hopefully will walk away feeling like they were heard, which, which I think is an important part of the process. Yeah. And it's so, so many people I've talked to on the podcast have talked about that, especially uh, former teachers, former educators that were not in the administrative role. They've said things like, I wish my principal or my special ed director, whoever it is, would just ask me how I'm doing, would just listen to the things I have to say. And I had, I had coffee with a current music teacher a couple of days ago, and she was talking about her school district and how from her, from her perception, they feel like, or she feels like the district is trying to suppress the teacher voice based on union, based on, I, I was trying to dig into it. I didn't want to get into it too far with her, but I'm curious on, in your perspective, what are some ways to elevate teacher voice? Because you're right. Teachers want to feel heard, supported, and valued. What are ways that you've been able to do that in a way that's meaningful for teachers? I think it starts with giving them permission. Um, if there's a, if there's like a topic that maybe there's some apprehension around, you know, an example would be teacher evaluation systems. I hear from teachers a lot, you know, well, this is the tool or this is the rubric or this is the process. It's just giving them permission to say, well, what do you think about this? How would you make this better? How could this be be changed in some way to make evaluations more meaningful? And I think just giving them permission and letting them know that 
your voice can be a part of that and and really should be a part of that. Wyoming is really unique. We're we're a right to work state, at will employment state. Um, unions are are really limited in what they do, um, like collective bargaining. You know the the bane of many administrators' existence in America is is not a process here, which is kind of mind mind boggling. Like at the end of the school year, they'll just tell you, you know, well everybody gets a step or one percent on the base, and there's no official negotiation process. So that can be hard. It's like how do you give how do you give people permission when in in some places I would think like a teachers' union is usually the kind of the driving force behind that. Yeah. The impetus behind here, here's what we're looking to do. Let's talk about working conditions. Let's talk about pay, other benefits, but nothing like that in Wyoming. No, some districts have a union and I, I think they, they agree to go through some bargaining, but there's no requirement. Um, the district that I was in for 13 years, they would send out an invitation the last day of school and all the teachers would come to the central office and the board chairman would just get up and tell you what salary and benefits was going to be. <laughs> so very, very interesting process here in Wyoming. So I know you and I had a conversation recently on your podcast where I came in and started talking about the employee experience. And I, I, lis- I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. It's one of those, I don't like to hear my own voice type of a scenarios. But I heard you in the beginning of that talking about, you know, kind of your mindset from instructional leader to people leader to kind of thinking about the people more. Where are you right now in your mental state with regard to, because both are important, obviously, because ultimately it's about student outcomes. Student outcomes, I believe, are a direct result of the teacher experience of the employee experience. Where are you right now kind of on that journey in your mindset? Um, Did you hear the coaching episode where I I was asking Jethro about being more of a people leader? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I want you to know that that conversation was really um, impactful to me because it, it had been a couple of weeks. And, and when I met with Jethro, I was like, Jethro, help me think this through because it really was the first time that I had heard it phrased like that. It's just instructional leader is is the push and, and that should be the focus and that should be the priority. Um, you know, I I've been... I've been more intentional about that, Eric. And one thing that I've noticed as I've I've worked with the teachers here is I think there's some that um, I've had more opportunities to be a people leader and build build some relationships and trust. And then the instructional leadership seems to go much better. There's also some staff that, for whatever reason, I I haven't. I haven't been enough of a people leader and then the instructional leadership can really be a challenge. And there's some, some trust issues or some just unknown factors that, that really s- slow down what I think the, the principal's main job is, is we're, we're here to make sure teachers are getting better. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you're saying the, those people that you feel like you have a stronger relationship with, are the ones who are responding more positively or more openly to instruct in it. So the instructional part of that, is it suggestions? Is it reflective questioning? Is it all of those things as far as instruction goes? Yep. Yep. From very just informal, you know, Hey, I noticed something, or have you thought about this, you know, up to the, probably the most 
complicated part, which would be like a formal, a formal observation is like, you know, you're, you're really not going to make that meaningful with this giant rubric and all these scores. If, you know, walking in, teachers don't feel like Eric is here to help me get better. So he's here because he has to do it per like per the requirements of the observation process versus he's in here because he understands me and appreciates me and and I know he's here to help. Is that kind of the difference there? Yeah, I just think about when I when I get feedback, you know, everybody hears feedback that they may not agree with or oh, I see where they're coming from, but I really don't think it's it's to that degree, but at the end of the day, what I always think about is what's this person's intentions? Are they telling me this because they want to help me or are they telling me this f- for some other reason? And I think as long as, as long as people feel like the intention is to help you, even if, you know, teacher evaluations, you may mark something as a two because you've never seen it happen in a teacher's classroom, but the teacher knows, man, I do that. Eric just hasn't seen it. Well, if they if they trust your intentions are are to help them, that's not an issue. You're not going to you're not going to stop by the next day with a stack of, you know, 80 student examples of work and say I want to attach this as evidence to my evaluation why I should be a 3. Interesting. As you've been processing this idea of instructional leader versus and I don't even know if people leader is the right word for it or instructional leader, to me it's not about the words, just like you said it's about the intention behind it. As, as you've been processing this and thinking through the employee experience more, is this a is this kind of one of those shiny things for you? Is it the glittery, oh, I heard something new, I'm going to implement this? Or do you feel like it's a more substantial change, kind of a difference of mindset as you're approaching your staff? I don't think it's a new, a new shiny thing at all. I think it is the the foundation to all good things in leadership. You know, if you're if you're not about people in in a people business like pub, public education, um, I don't I don't think it's really going to matter what what other kind of skills you have or things that you know. I I just think it's it's one of those foundational pieces. Almost I'm, I picture like the food pyramid or um, Maslow's hierarchy. It's like well, until you can be um, a people leader, you can't really get to the the student achievement, the instructional leadership. Have you noticed any difference in, I don't want to say the culture, but kind of the school culture? Have you noticed as you've been going through and maybe being more intentional with teachers, with the adults in the building, is that having any kind of a ripple effect among teachers to teachers, teachers to students? Have you seen any of that? Um, I think it's a strength of, of the culture here that the adults really care about the students and 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 get to know them personally and want to help them and i've i've heard that from the students too so i i think that's already something that's pretty pretty prevalent and important and people really value that here just having that that personal personal connection yeah so i'm curious you you mentioned in kind of the pre questionnaire the idea of, you know, the employee experience you've thought about as more of a district level, like what are the systems or the processes? So when I think employee experience, I think about what are those day-to-day interactions within my building? So as a teacher, what happens to me and with me on a daily basis? And my mind goes automatically to the principal because the principal is the one that really sets the tone 
you know, lays a lot of the expectations for the building. As a school principal, I'm curious, what, what are your expectations from the district level in terms of employee experience? What, what can district leaders support? How can they support principals like you in implementing a positive employee experience? Well, I, I want the district to do what I want to do for teachers, remove roadblocks. When people are frustrated or things aren't working as well as they could or they should, you just want to pick up the phone and say, hey, fix this so people can get back to what's most important. Does that happen very often that you that you feel empowered enough to tell district people, hey, here's here's some roadblocks that I have. Here's what I need. And this isn't necessarily a you in your unique situation. I, I don't want to call anybody out. And you may say, yes, it's amazing here. You may say, no, it's not amazing here. But just kind of in general, does that kind of a relationship happen very often in schools, you think? No, but I think I think that I've I've been lucky. And, and that's really, Eric, a big part of why. I've never, ever wanted to work in a, in a big school district because I think in a small district when, you know, a department might be one person, things, things can get done. Whereas if you're in a big district and I've seen this in, in, to some extent in, in places I've been, it's like, well, if we were going to do that, we need to have a meeting and we're going to have to involve this department and then we're going to have to pilot this. And then we're, it's like, why ask? You know, it's just such a slow process um, to get things to change, to remove roadblocks, or just make it a, make a decision. But I think that's a that's a big part of the influence that the district can have on the school level employee experiences. Like, if they truly want to support and and help our teachers, they're willing to at least listen, and when they can make it happen, make, make it, make something easier and make people's lives easier. Yeah. It's so interesting. The whole, again, this comes back to me to the idea of listening, right. And making sure that, that people have voices. So inviting, inviting input, you mentioned that earlier, inviting people to be able to communicate. The extension of that is listening and not listening to be defensive, not listening to place blame, not listening and filtering it through, you know, I have more context than you. Here's why whatever decision was made, but really listening to the words that are being used, the intent behind the words that are being used. And I feel like most places, big or small, don't have very good processes for kind of that two-way communication. Oftentimes it's top down. It's I'm a principal walking in. I'm going to provide you feedback because it's evaluation season. Or we might do, a lot of schools do, you know, an annual climate survey, for example, I equate that to standardized testing. You take it one time a year, you get your results three months later, and then your kids have left the school. Like, how do I improve instruction? But do you have any processes in play for kind of some ongoing collection of feedback from your team, from your your teachers, your staff? Or does your district level have any ongoing processes to collect input from you? Well, I think at the, at the building level, if there's... Um a culture of, you know, PLCs where we have, we have teachers in collaborative teams that meet regularly. Um, I think that can be a big, a big part of it. That's something that we're, we're working on here and especially at the building level that I'm at. Um, the focus is kind of the shared leadership model where we have a, a, a leadership team or PLC speak would be, you know, like a guiding coalition 
And so an example would be we're, we're trying to um, revise our school's mission, vision, and come up with some collective commitments. And trying to do that in a staff meeting, you know, there's 50 people in there and you're trying to get input. Well, how many people in a staff meeting are going to speak up? Maybe, maybe, maybe four, right? And so that sometimes is like, well, I had a meeting and I gave people a chance to speak and then we disagreed or it was 50-50 or the principal just decided what what they were going to do anyways. Um, that doesn't work. I don't know why a lot of times we do that. Maybe it's just convenient um, and, and good intention, but bad bad outcome. So I think having, having um, like a guiding coalition in our case, there's representation of all staff in the school. Then they meet with their teams where it's a smaller group, there's more trust, and everyone's input will be heard. Um, I, I sat in on one last Friday and you know, if there was a teacher that didn't speak up or didn't voice voice a, an opinion, they would ask them directly, well, what do you think you haven't spoken up yet? And so that that's a good a good model. And then I think an extension of that is as a district, when when buildings have those those teams in place and um, principals can can come and and other staff can be a part of that too. That's the same model that you're working with as a district. Hey, what are you guys hearing about this? What is the staff? feel about this? How does your department feel about this? And you can confidently say, not because of a staff meeting that th- four people spoke up, but, you know, we've we've gotten input from our staff and they feel strongly this way. Um, and and then at the end of the day, if, if that is genuine, people will know because things will change based on, based on that input. If you have all those meetings and nothing changes, it, it can definitely feel like fake work. Sure. And I think to directly connecting any pivot, any change, any decision that you make back to feedback and being as explicit as possible with that. What I find fascinating, Eric, is what so many administrators expect their teachers to do with their students. Administrators are not doing that very often with their teachers. So there's kind of this this separation. Like perfect example is expectations. We walk into a classroom and we expect our teachers to say, today during our lesson, we're going to learn this. Here's the learning objective. Here are success outcomes. And then you get to an administrator and they don't, they're not very explicit with their staff, right? Or in this case of feedback, oftentimes teachers will, you know, take a look at student work and be specific with feedback. Here's what I noticed. I noticed everybody's doing this. We're going to differentiate. We're going to, to modify instruction. Here's why. And then many times leaders just make decisions seemingly in a vacuum without, and even if there was lots of input that was collected, they're not communicating. Here is what I saw. Here's the data we collected. Here is all the evidence of of dialogue that we had as part of these PLCs. This is why we're making that change. And it's that that little addition of here's the information that makes such a difference to teachers because otherwise, like you said, it's I'm providing all this input but nobody's doing anything with it. Why bother? What's the point if I'm not going to be listened to anyway? Yeah. And that, un- that undoes the whole, the whole process, because if, if that has happened, then staff aren't even willing to participate, let alone take it seriously, feel like 
boy, this might be an avenue to make some positive changes and help our help our staff um, because that that you have to undo that and that is a long, difficult road to hoe. Yeah, this is a slight tangent here, but I, I read I think it was on LinkedIn recently. Someone posted. I'm not going to have the wording correctly here, but basically, as a parent, think about what you're telling your child to improve in because you're probably telling yourself that's an area that you need to improve as well. So for example, if I'm, if I'm telling my kids, Hey, you need to be more patient. I'm probably impatient when telling my kids to be more impatient. There's probably a parallel here too, for administrators, oftentimes where the things that we're telling our teachers to do quote unquote better, we probably need to take a look at that as well, just for ourselves. And I thought that was, again, I'm not nearly as eloquent as, as how it was worded, but I think there's probably a lot of truth there. Yeah. Well, if, if I can back up just a little bit, I was trying not to chuckle because I watched a video, kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing the other day about um, teachers, if you want to really, really stir the pot, send, send an email to your administrator and request daily lesson plans, ask for assessments connected to state standards. And that, that point you made of, you know, there's a lot of things that administrators expect of teachers that they don't practice themselves. Um, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. And, you know, the most, the most common one is like, okay, we're going to have a, we're going to have a one hour lecture on why differentiation, um, is more impactful than direct instruction, but we're going to directly instruct you on those principles. Exactly. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me and I understand it because principles are so busy. And there's, there's not enough time or capacity to sit down and really think through. I think part of it too, you'd mentioned this, I think the first time you and I talked is, you know, we oftentimes were administrators or we're teachers like we were taught. We're administrators like what we experienced. So sometimes it's just being aware of that, being aware of, okay, I'm probably saying some things that I need to work on myself. Sometimes just that awareness is very helpful in, in deciding what are my priorities right now. So I know you switched districts. Can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of employee experience A versus employee experience B and how that change has impacted you and what you're focusing on? Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, that first day employee experience is like a first date, right? Like what's your first impression? You're excited. You're kind of nervous. You're walking in. Um, and in the two districts that I've been in most recently, I've had absolute polar opposite experience. Um, one was look around the room, half of you won't be here and make tenure. Kind of felt like you're on the landing craft getting ready to invade Normandy. Um, <laughs> just like this, we're going to instill some fear in you. And, you know, they tried to connect it to, because we have si such high expectations, just know that you're not just going to be allowed to exist in this district you most of you won't make it um i i didn't think that was a good a good first date for for new employees i i don't know why it it was done that way um but i had a um, teacher that i worked with in that district come to this district and so i had a first day experience kind of a new administrator um orientation type type thing that um, was really beneficial and really helpful. And I appreciated that the district offered that. 
but then the first day of the new teacher orientation, I, I sought out that new teacher. I said, Hey, how did your first day go? And she was just smiling from ear to ear. And she's like, Eric, the superintendent met me in the parking lot, helped me carry a box. And he already knows my name. (laughs) And it's like, you know, the, the opposite of the, the D-Day speech, just, hey, we're glad you're here. We care about you as a person. Um, and and that comes from when you have a district leader who's a people person and a people leader and cares about people. Um, I heard somebody describe him really well. They said, you know, he every time he sees you, no matter what's going on, he's not too busy to stop and ask you how you're doing because he wants to know the answer. So... Um, I, I think that having a little more perspective, because if you've been in the same school or the same district, um, you really don't, you don't think very far outside of the box. And you hear things as new teachers come in, oh, this is so much better than other districts I've been in, or boy, I can't believe your district doesn't do this. This is really lacking. Um, that's one good thing about, about going through that yourself as, as an employee and seeing like, what was that experience like? coming in new? Did you have what you need? Um, do you feel supported? Do you feel connected? Do you have the information that you need? So that, that was, um, I think why I put that on the, on the form before the interview. And I also think a lot about new student experiences, like what's the student experience like in our school? You know, you'd hate to imagine like, can a student come in the building, go through an entire day of school, walk out and no adult greeted them by name. So again, so many parallels between what we want our students to experience to what we want our administrators, our teachers to experience. And your, your description there of the superintendent asking somebody, hey, how are you doing? Carrying a box for somebody. Like those are things as an administrator we can do. We can go down the hall and say, hey, how are you doing? And genuinely listen to the answer because we want our teachers to do the same thing. We want our teachers greeting our students every single day. How many times we have administrators greeting every teacher every day? And of course, there's different doors they come in and, you know, it's a little more complicated than that. Some people get to school at 530 a.m. or before like you. But there's so many parts of, you know, just being a human that we're missing at times because we get caught up in the busyness and the day to day. And it's like, whoa, step back a little bit. What do we expect our teachers to do to our students? Maybe I should be doing that to my, my faculty, to my staff as well. It's an interesting kind of mindset there. The golden rule of education set set the example that you you want others to to follow. That's right. Yeah. So a fun question I started asking guests. I think you're the second one so far. If you can go back and give yourself advice right before you became an administrator, what advice would that be? I I think I would go back and tell myself before my first year, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes, and that's okay. You'll you'll learn. And I think I would tell myself to be more comfortable knowing that there's going to be some imposter syndrome. That was something that I really struggled with my first year. And I, until I learned about that a little bit and realized, oh, it's not just me. This is, this is a normal thing. That, that was a real stressor for me as a new administrator. So I think I would just let myself know, hey, this, this is kind of how you're going to feel in those situations. Um, as an administrator and as someone who has to make decisions and people are going to come to and want answers to things that you don't even know what they're talking about. And that's okay. That's normal. 
Yeah, and kind of approaching everything from a what can I learn perspective instead of, you know, the, like we had talked about how many administrators, teachers feel like they have to have all the answers all the time. I think that's part of that imposter syndrome is if I don't know something, that means that I'm inferior to somebody who does know it. It's like, no, I don't know it yet. I'll come back with you with an answer. I think that's a a very important lesson for people for sure. Uh, What's one action or strategy you hope all school leaders take away from our conversation today? I think one of the one of the big ideas would be when we're asking teachers to do things, um, we, we should we should model that as much as we can. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time today, and thanks for what you're doing. I know it's a, a difficult position being a principal. Are focusing on the employee experience, which is a, a wonderful win for your staff. So thanks for everything you're doing. If you haven't yet today, go thank an educator for all they're doing for us. This has been the Employee Experience and Education Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.